Welcome to Canine Hijinks, the podcast for those who want to explore more ways to have fun with their dogs and perhaps discover the wider world of training and dog sports. It may even convert the casual pet owner into a dog sport enthusiast. Join me, Alyssa Looney. And me, Whitney Taylor, as we share our dog training journeys, as well as resources you can use to enhance your life with your canine friends. Welcome to Canine Hijinks. I'm Alyssa, and I'm here today with none other than my co-host, Whitney. Hi, everybody. We don't have a guest today because we wanted to spend some time reflecting on this past year with Canine Hijinks. In our time together, we've explored a variety of dog sports and ways to make life with dogs more fun. That's right. We've talked about so many things in past episodes, including agility, fly ball, dock diving, nose work, trick training, and more. And we've also spent time talking about life skills, things like how to find a great trainer, a doggy daycare, talking about behavioral wellness, cooperative care, what rehab bets are for, and a few other things along the way. So today we figured we would look back at all of our past conversations and discuss a couple of our top takeaways Alyssa, what's your first takeaway from our first year of canine hijinks? Well, this isn't certainly what I was expecting to discover, but one of the things we've concluded is agility might be one of the most complex dog sports out there. (laughs) (laughs) Certainly that we've discussed so far, it has been one of the, I think, the most complex sport in a lot of ways. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, obviously we have more sports to talk about and I won't be surprised if some of the protection sports might be a little more complex. Um, you know, I don't know a ton about obedience yet, but agility involves so many things on the part of the handler in terms of movement, but also just, it's a really intense sport to train for the dog, because there Mm -hmm. are so many skills that they need to learn. You need such clear communication skills, and you're really asking them to complete a whole series of very complex behaviors um, in order to get through an agility course. So I think that's been a surprising takeaway from this year is we joined a really complicated sport. Yeah. And when you look on top of that, that you kind of can't practice so much by yourself, that makes it really hard. And I, that's mostly true. These are dog sports, but it's always been interesting to me that as a handler, I need to develop certain skills like timing and all of those things, but I have to be able to run my dog to do it. And they only have so many reps in them. And my job is easier, right? As handlers overall, unless it's those super sprinting courses that that uh, Daisy likes to tell us, you get one shot at the course because it's Mm -hmm. just an all-out sprint. And so it only gets worse if you keep trying. But for the most part, you want to be able to kind of work on that timing over and over again. And But really, it doesn't get better with more reps. And so that's something that I think is really interesting and difficult about agility is that there are a lot of skills that the handler needs, but you you can't just be like, so I'm just going to go out and work on all that stuff by myself. That's not really a thing. Yeah. I remember that 
when we talked to Sarah Baker and she, we asked her the question of, would you recommend agility to anybody? And she actually said no. And I remember being so shocked by that, but the more we've, the more we've looked into other sports, the more I think I would steer people towards other dog sports first to build up that bond with their dog and that kind of thing before maybe diving into agility. Yeah. The sport I, and I probably keep saying this, I'm really interested to talk to folks about herding. I've been getting into that a little bit more myself. I feel like, um, I get some kind of badge or um, milestone marker. I did a herding lesson yesterday in quite inclement weather. So out there in the mud and the rain with Sprite chasing sheep around. And the learning curve there is really, really steep. And I think it's similar to agility in that you need a lot of things to be able to practice. Mostly you need sheep, but mm-hmm. you know, sheep aren't like the easiest thing. You don't just lock them up in a cabinet. They're, they're living, <laughs> breathing animals that need food and space and shelter and all of this stuff. So I'll be curious to see if we feel like that one, or like you say, one of the protection sports ends up taking the cake as far as complexity. But I would agree with that one. I was pretty surprised at at that as we've been going along. What's your lesson, Whitney, then? So for me, it's been sort of instead of the differences, like the commonalities. And one thing is this idea of needing to set your own goals and that you can kind of ruin the experience for yourself by constantly comparing yourselves to others and particularly to those at the top of the sport. So Mm-hmm. This brings to mind all manner of memes and motivational things and cliche statements. But, you know, comparison is the thief of joy is really mm-hmm. the one kind of ringing out in my head and thinking about all the scrolling through Facebook memes and things I've seen about how it's okay to be new at stuff. It's, you know, be brave enough to suck at something new, all of that kind of stuff and how much it can keep you from trying. It can keep you from starting a new sport. It can, all of those things can really keep you from discovering this kind of joy with your dog. And even if you are in it, like we are, and like we know a lot of our listeners are deep into dog sports already, that you can really kind of kick yourself in the teeth if you are constantly comparing yourselves to others. And so what, it's such a delicate balance to have goals and be striving for things and yet still be able to focus on your own journey and not get lost in where other people are at in their journeys. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've seen a couple of friends lately posting about how they're a little bit frustrated because they'll follow some people on Facebook and see that they only post perfection mm-hmm. and they wonder, it makes you doubt your own journey right? That maybe you're doing something wrong, um, that your dog isn't as good as somebody else's dog, et cetera. And that kind of comparison really can get you down because training with a live animal is never going to be perfection. You're never going to be perfect. You're not controlling a machine. You're controlling a living being with their own thoughts and feelings and, and their own complexities. And, um, it is really hard to compare or, rather not compare yourself Mm -hmm. to to other people. And if you get lost in that a little bit, 
it just, it does take the joy right out of it. And I, um, you know, I think I really learned that lesson with Tilly when I got her, she was for my stepdaughter and I didn't have any goals with her. And so any training that we did really was just for fun. Mm -hmm. And I remember feeling like it was so relaxing to not have any performance goals with her Mm -hmm. that truly we were just training for fun. And so when I got Ale, who I, I do have big goals for, I have tried to keep in the back of my mind that attitude of this is fun. And I even named her Allegria, which in Italian means joy. And I did that on purpose in part because I got her during the pandemic, right? The height <laughs> of the pandemic. Yeah. And, and we needed some joy in our lives. But also because I wanted to remember that I'm doing this sport for fun. And wherever that leads us, which I hope is, you know, somewhere high up in the levels, um, I want to also remember the joy of the sport. And so um, I still find myself tempted to look at other people and think, oh, I'm not there yet. I must be behind Mm -hmm. or whatever. But I think I've done a better job with her in particular than I did with Jet. And having these conversations on this podcast has been another good reminder that that's so critical. Yeah, Sprite really wanted to like take that out of me. The whole idea that you can like script a journey. Um, she was like, yeah, n- no, no. Let's, let's just teach you that <laughs> lesson right now. And it's been really interesting, you know, and as I've talked about, she just, I really had to spend time making things fun for her. She needs to be able to do things with not a lot of rules and with a ton of success. Most importantly, she really, really needs success in order to build confidence, in order to withstand any amount of failure that she is going to encounter in training. Um, And I've seen those dogs before, but I've never owned one. And Mm -hmm. so when I finally just had to let go of timelines and be okay with where we were at and just like you know what I'm going to focus on training skills I've seen some really nice breakthroughs from her and I've been so much less frustrated we're working on the a-frame right now I do I get out there and train it every single day no partly because it's raining and partly (laughs) because I have kids and need to do laundry and a job and all of that kind of stuff. Oh, and a a podcast. Sometimes I'm editing a podcast episode and not training the A-frame. But I've been really happy with our progress. And it's so much better when you're not rushing something and and you Mm -hmm. realize, oh, when we do get this, it's going to be solid. And so even though some of those things have been slower... I at least some her ability to turn right and left on a jump, regardless of my position, has really come along. That's one of the skills we've worked on the longest. And so seeing some payoff from that work has also really helped me go, okay, you do get there eventually, because that's the Mm -hmm. other reason I tend to rush is that. It's like, well, it's never going to be perfect. I don't know why I'm, you know, trying to make it perfect and going so slow. I might as well just get something done and then I can fix it. That's not right. nearly as fun. I have rushed the teeter. She she can do a teeter. She's not great at going all the way to the bottom. And I feel like it is going to take us forever to fix that. And it's just going to mm-hmm. needle at me when 
I just really wanted her to be able to do a teetering competition and I should have just let it go. So, um, yeah, that has been a huge takeaway for me. Set your own goals, work by your own timeline. Yeah, that really, that really funnels well into my next point, which is that foundations and the foundation skills are absolutely critical Mm -hmm. and they are what will build your relationship with your dog. With Ale, as we've discussed, if I do things wrong and try to lump skills together, she yells at me. (laughs) So, So it forces me to make sure my training is really clean and, and I, I can't always achieve it. I've been running into a little bit of a roadblock with the weaves, trying to get her from wide channels down to narrow channels to straight weaves. And so I keep reminding myself that taking it slow and really building block upon block at the end of the day, we're not going to be redoing things because she'll know it correctly from the get-go. And I've spent so much time with Jet rebuilding things because I didn't train them correctly in the first place. And he let me get away with that because he was so happy and didn't care um, that I, I could be sloppy with his foundations. But in all of the sports that we've talked about, whether it's, and also in cooperative care and um, veterinary care and that kind of thing, the foundational skills that you need are what will allow you to succeed or not in a sport. So that's been a great takeaway for me. Right. The re- you need a relationship with your dog. That's it's really important. You you can start things certainly, but it, it'll be more fun if your dog likes spending time with you and if they have sort of a general trust of you. Um I have been kind of surprised sort of similarly that um how few opportunities there are out there for reactive dogs and that that's Mm -hmm. which in some ways shouldn't be surprising a dog sport is going to involve a lot of dogs and so if you have a reactive dog that's tough but to me what that means is you can't prioritize sport training over socialization and trust and some of those kinds of things because you could have this dog that's fantastic at home that you've trained to do a bajillion things, but if you've never taken them anywhere, you could get to a venue or to a class and realize, wow, they don't actually have the life skills to do this. Mm -hmm. And all that time you've spent is suddenly doesn't matter. So the foundation, making sure that you build things in the right order and don't neglect some of that really basic stuff, like making sure that your dog is comfortable and in public and trusts you are that's been something else that I I've noticed through the, the conversations that we've been having. Yeah, I think the only sport we've really come across so far that we've discussed that works for um dogs who are reactive is nose work. Yep. Um because it's it's not a bunch of dogs out at one time. It's one dog, they're all on leash. Yep. Um kind of a thing most of the other sports involve having to be around other 
dogs pretty and, regularly. And it's also really awesome to know that that's the sport or one of the sports that you can go do with a reactive dog, right? It's mm -hmm. not that you don't yes. have any options. And so particularly if you end up with a rescue or something, if that's, you know, something that's really important to you is to rescue dogs, then you do have an option. That's, that's something that you're going to be able to do with those dogs and they won't be, you know, banished because of the way that they were raised um, before they got to you. So I think that's an important takeaway as well. Yeah. You know, on that topic, um, I, I hope in the new year or sometime next year, we might be able to cover um, things about rehoming dogs and yep. why that might happen. There was a pretty Denise Fenzi who we interviewed earlier this year about online learning recently had to return her dog to the breeder. And mm -hmm. she is a brilliant trainer, did everything right. He was yep. socialized and and still he had so much reactivity and anxiety that that she chose to rehome him and she was very public about it and i was and i was really happy to see all of the support that she did receive mm -hmm. for that decision but you know i think i think it's really critical that people realize there's something to be said for foundation skills and there's also something to be said for these are still not machines. They're yep. still living beings and you can do everything right and still not have it work out. Yep. And even think about our dog diving episode. Uh, I believe it was Sounders who ended up with a toe injury and could be a racing dog anymore. Right. And right. now he's the world's top dog diving dog. Right. So there's also the, the reality that sometimes your original plan doesn't work out, but if you've got some good foundations on your dog in terms of life skills now you can switch to mm -hmm. something else entirely, and maybe that's uh, even more successful than what your original plan was to begin with. You just never know. Yeah, and that takes a certain level of humility and willingness to just be a partner on the part of a person, right? If I am just mm -hmm. agility is the sport I want to do as a person to think about, you know, that was Denise's advice was do the sport that you enjoy and so that's, I think that is where you can get into a rehoming situation, potentially, that that's, that's the mm -hmm. decision to make. Or if you are up for it, do a different sport. It was one of the reasons I really wanted to at least plug away in small ways at herding with Spray. I wasn't entirely sure she was going to end up being an agility dog. And right. I wanted something to fall back on because partly... I have a four and a six-year-old and I don't think rehoming was going to be an option for me. So <laughs> if that was what turned out that she just was not going to be happy playing that sport, I wanted something else that we could do that would make her happy and that we could, could do together. So there it's a, always a very complicated situation with lots of things that play into decisions that get made, but a good topic we could explore for sure. So my last takeaway is there are so many fun dog sports out there that I want to try. And we haven't even talked about really that many, but I just, every no. time I'm like, oh, that sounds interesting. I kind of want to try that. Hmm. I, I'm very curious. I, I wonder how that would go. I wonder if my dogs would like that. I wonder if I would like that. Mm -hmm. Makes me wish it was easier to get time away and that, you know, money was no object and I could just yes. do all the things and have all the dogs. I do keep joking that, um, 
maybe not so much recently, but that I'm going to get a dog that's for the kids. But really, it's just an excuse for me to get another dog to like do something different with. But that that's I think that would be so much fun. But that's been something else that I've enjoyed about Sprite is that now that she's a little bit more mature, I think she's totally a dog that would be up for anything and something that is fairly common with dogs from her breeder. So that's been really fun. So I might not need another dog if I want to explore more dog sports, <laughs> but it seems like it's a good, a good excuse. Yeah. I, you know, I, same thing. It's so hard when, if you're working full time and you've got a family and then you've got your dogs and you've got kind of your main sport. And for us, that's agility, which as we've discussed, takes a lot of time training wise mm -hmm. to accomplish. I have always wanted to do barn hunt more with Lincoln mm -hmm. because he absolutely loses his mind over that game. Thinks it's the best thing ever. Um, Tilly would have been super fun. I've also wanted to, with Tilly, it would have been super fun to do the earth dog trials. And mm -hmm. hopefully we'll get to talk to somebody about that um, in the next year. And so, yeah, there are, there are so many um, fun dog sports out there that I'd love to spend more time doing. Jet really likes dock diving. Um, I think that would be super fun um, to, to do more of in part, because I think it's so good for them physically mm -hmm. because they get to swim and that kind of thing. Um, but it is, it's really hard to have enough time to do them all, but certainly like, and you know, we even talked about raising puppies. I absolutely want to be one of those retired old ladies that's raising puppies <laughs> all the time. Cause I had a blast doing that, you know? Yeah. Um, there's so many things that I would really love to be able to spend more time on. And, you know, that said agility is still my favorite sport. I love it. Um, I am heavily invested in it and I am lucky to have dogs that, um, that seem to enjoy doing it with me as well. But, um, there is the sky's the limit. I mean, you could just do anything with dogs. It's really amazing. And, and in all of these things too, I just, I also come back to the fact that I have such a great relationship with them because of the sports mm -hmm. that I've chosen to pursue. And, that's so rewarding and our life skills and skills in the house and my thoughts about their wellness from a behavioral standpoint have all increased because of my interest in sport. Yeah. So, which means we are excited to bring you many more episodes talking about many more sports. We just figured this was a good time to do a little bit of a recap and look back on the conversations that we've had. We would love to hear from you all. What what are your big takeaways? Or, or is there a particular sport we've talked about that you want to try? Is there a sport you're dying for us to do an episode on? Let us yeah. know. Yes. Send us your comments on our Facebook page, on our Instagram page, or uh, shoot us a note on our website. We would certainly love to know what you want to hear about, what your takeaways have been so far, and what we can do in the new year to bring you more fun with your dogs. So that's all for today's episode. Don't forget to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast so you can join us for our next episode. In the meantime, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, or by visiting our website at www.caninehijinks.com. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to go out and have some fun with your dogs. Talk to you next time. Bye.